chapter 21, verse 1 to 6. These are the laws you are to set before them. If you buy a Hebrew servant, he is to serve you for six years. But in the seventh year, you shall go, he shall go free without paying anything. If he comes along, he is to go free along. But if he has a wife when he comes, he is to go with him. She is to go with him. If his master gives him a wife and she bears him sons and daughters, the woman and her children shall belong to her master, and only the man shall go free. But if the servant declares, I love my master and my wife and children, and do not want to go free, then his master must take him before the judges. He shall take him to the door or the doorpost and pierce his ear with an awl. Then he shall be his servant for life. Verses 12 to 27 on the, on the same page. Anyone who strikes a person with a fatal blow is to be put to death. However, if it is not done intentionally, but God lets it happen, they are to go free to a place I will designate. But if anyone schemes and kills someone deliberately, that person is to be taken to my, from my altar and put to death. Anyone who attacks their fathers or mother is to be put to death. Anyone who kidnaps someone is to be put to death, whether the victim has been sold or is still in kidnapper's possession. Anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. If people quarrel and one person hits another with a stone or with, or with their fist, the victim does not die but is confined to bed, the one who struck the blow will not be held liable if the other can get up and walk around outside with a staff. However, the guilty party must pay the injured person for any loss of time and see that the victim is completely healed. Anyone who beats their male or female slave with a rod must be punished if the slave dies as a direct result but they are not to be punished if the slave recovers after a day or two, since the slave is their property. If people are fighting and hits a pregnant woman and she gives birth prematurely, but there is no serious injury, the offender must be fined whatever the woman's husband demands and the court allows. But if there is serious injury, you are to take life for life, eye for eye, Tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. An owner who hits, who hits a male or female slave in the eye and destroys it must, be let, must let the slave go free to compensate for the eye. And an owner who knocks out the tooth of a male or female slave must let the slave go free to compensate for the tooth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Great. Thank you, James, for reading. Uh, Evelyn, for praying. 
And let's look at uh, this topic together. It's a topical sermon, so we'll be all over the Bible. But uh, yeah, we're doing this series, Is the Bible Outdated? Uh, looking at the, you know, the Bible's teaching on some kind of hot topics in society. Although you may wonder, slavery is not much of a hot topic, right? It was abolished a long time ago. It is uh, illegal in every country in the world. Uh, unlike, say, you know, homosexuality, it's not much of an issue, right, you'd think? Uh, I was surprised. I don't know if you know how many slaves there are currently in the world. Apparently, low estimate, about 21 million people who are forced against their will to work. Most of them are women and girls, mainly in the sex trade. Uh, $150 billion industry. Every year, six to 800,000 people are trafficked. Uh, sometimes, you know, deceived into it, sometimes by force. But uh, that's the same number of people as live in Shatin district, so Shatin and Mount Sun together. Slavery is alive and well. And if you read about it, it, it's awful. It's such a terrible thing that's happening. But then it's no wonder that people go to the Bible and say, well, uh, the Bible doesn't have any laws against it. The Bible seems to be fine with it, right? Uh, it says, uh, has these laws about slaves and masters. Slaves, obey your masters in everything. This pleases the Lord. Wow. Um, the African slave trade of a few hundred years ago that we think of. Who did that? Or was that wasn't that Christian Europe? Wasn't that the, the, the US, which was this, uh, you know, this great Puritan country? How could nations where everyone went to church do this kind of thing? And so no wonder this is a thing that people bring up. The Bible's view on, on slavery. Uh, it, it is very much alive and people think it's, it's an issue. So that's where we're going to go today. That's what I want to, to talk about. And I hope we'll see that the Bible is great and good. But let's uh, pray for that. Father, we, we pray you would speak to us. Uh, please use my words. Uh, speak to all of our hearts. Would we see the goodness of, uh, of you? Would we see your glory? Would we see your son, Jesus? In his name we pray. Amen. Now, how do we approach this? Uh, will be, some of it will be a bit of a lecture, but I hope it's encouraging. Um, first of all, one thing we do need to question, though, is, is what is slavery? What, what was slavery back then? Is that the same as our idea of slavery? Because we hear slavery, and yeah, we think of, say, the Atlantic slave trade, and what happened then when people would go to Africa, kidnap a bunch of people, chain them up, bring them to America. Well, so in the Old Testament, the Old Te it has the same word for slave and servant, the word evet. Yeah? So a slave and servant is the same thing. Moses was the servant of the Lord. You could say the slave of the Lord. Does that mean Moses was kind of kidnapped and chained up and whipped by the Lord? No, right? He was the most honored person in the whole Old Testament. Uh, a verse like this messes with you. God says, because the Israelites are my servants whom I brought out of Egypt, they must not be sold as slaves. It's the same word, right? What makes someone a servant? What makes someone a slave if it's the same word? As this word doesn't mean slave. We think it means, we read slave and we think of someone who is captured against their will and forced to work. But it just talks about the work relationship. You have a master and a servant. 
The master's in authority, and the servant depends on the master. That's why a lot of people say, you know, uh, what does my Lord say to my, your servant? That's how people just talk in the Old Testament. Could be slave, right? So the word doesn't necessarily mean slave. What makes it slavery? It's the conditions, right? Slavery is the matter of the kind of working conditions or how you get into that work. So interestingly, in Exodus, the Israelites are never called slaves of the Egyptians. This word is never used of them. But you read what went on, and that's slavery, right? And this is what the Egyptians did. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. And you hear that and then, yeah, this is unjust, this is wrong, this is what we call slavery. I, mean, I don't know how you would define it. Uh, some organization, they put it like this. When a person is under control of another person, who applies violence and force to maintain that control, and the goal of the control is exploitation. Maybe that's a good definition of, of slavery, right? That is, this is wrong and unjust. And certainly some of that went on. There was kidnapping, and those people were then sold into slavery. Definitely that happened. But a lot of slavery back then was, was debt slavery. Basically, you know, I, I borrowed a lot of money from you, <laughs> and then I wasted it, and now I need to pay it back, and I don't have it. How can I pay it back? Well, let me work for you for a few years without salary. That's debt slavery. And you kind of needed that. There were no bankruptcy laws. There were, you didn't have big savings accounts or the government interfering. Debt slavery, but it's more voluntary, right? You know, I've got myself into trouble with you, I'll work it off. Is that for the, by force and for the goal of exploitation? Not really. Uh, there was a lot of captives of war. You know, it, they were, Israel was attacked, Israel won. What do you do with the enemy soldiers? Do you let them go free? Well, they'll, they'll attack you again. Uh, there's no prisons, no camps. Well, uh, forced labor seems the best option, right? You, you, you have these kind of things, and that's, again, not necessarily let's go and exploit these people and, and conquer them. And so slavery isn't always what we call slavery. Even in the uh, uh, Roman Empire, of course there was real slave trade and people in chains and working 18 hours a day and that kind of stuff. There were other slaves and they were very educated and they worked as a private tutor for wealthy families. Teach the kids. Very different from the Atlantic slave trade, right? Uh, the emperor had kind of personal slaves who were really powerful people, just in a way that, that Moses was the slave of the Lord. So actually, we, we, we need to step back a bit. Uh, yes, the Bible allows slavery, but does it our kind of slavery? And it, this is basically the question. Does the Bible condone our modern understanding of slavery? And as we'll see, I think the answer is no. The Bible does not allow slavery. It's not outdated. Well, let's see how we get there. Well, the Old Testament, I think it's radically humane. It's, it's really radical in how loving and humane it is. And the background to the Old Testament that helps you see that God is not pro-slavery is the Exodus, right? 
the Israelites, they were in slavery in Egypt. What did God do? He heard their cries, he saw their suffering, he came and rescued them with a mighty hand. Uh, that is what God did. He, he cared for his people, brought them out. And that is, runs through the whole Old Testament. Constantly, you know, you were slaves. I rescued you. And even for all these laws that we're going to see, often the background is, well, you know, uh, you were slaves. And so when you think of your servants, your slaves, remember what life was like for you. Eh? Kind of love your neighbor. And so let's look at this chapter of laws that we just read in uh, Exodus 21. Here are a few features just to draw attention to. I mean, it's good to say kidnapping was wrong, right? 21 verse 16. Anyone who kidnaps someone is to be put to death, whether the victim has been sold or is still in the kidnapper's possession. Kidnapping has the death penalty, same as murder, because it takes away someone's life. I mean, that whole Atlantic slave trade, under the Old Testament, they would have gotten the death penalty. So wrong, is it? Uh, killing a slave is the same as killing a free person. They're both murder. Uh, from verse 20, anyone who beats their male or female slave with a rod must be punished if the slave dies. And the word for punished there is avenged. It's the word for the death penalty. So they're not cattle that you can just kill. They are humans. Um, abuse, you get freedom. Eh? Verse 27, and an owner who knocks out the tooth of a male or female slave must let the slave go free to compensate for the tooth. You know, you hurt your servant, your slave, they are free. And you're not going to get your six, weeks of free, six, six years of free labor, right? Uh, those kind of things. It was temporary, right? Here, uh, for Hebrew servants, verse 2, if you buy a Hebrew servant, he's to serve you for six years. In the seventh year, he shall go free without paying anything. Actually, you, then the debt is paid, and in fact, you should bless him with lots of stuff. Huh? It's, it's temporary. There's even provisions for, you know, if he wants to stay with you. Can you imagine how good the slavery was if there was rules about, you know, if he wants to stay with you, then do this and this. Uh, it was slightly different for foreigners, because they were often captives of war. You wouldn't just let them go. But uh, they had a weekly holiday, they rested on the Sabbath because they needed rest as well. Uh, protection for runaways. Uh, Deuteronomy 23. If a slave has taken refuge with you, do not hand them over to their master. Let them live among you wherever they like and in whatever town they choose. Do not oppress them. Right? If someone flees from a bad master, don't bring them back. That was, for example, very different in, the, uh, in, in, the, in America before the Civil War. If you kind of didn't return a slave, you would go to prison for six months and pay a huge fine. Real violent control, isn't it? Because that's a good thing to do. Last week I talked about the Old Testament law that, yeah, it's not God's perfect standard. There is allowance, a regulation for sin. And we need to look at the kind of the gap with, you know, bottom-up, with lawless humanity. But one good thing to do is, you know, how does the Old Testament compare to surrounding cultures? Because it's not like they had slaves and no one else did. Every single culture had slavery. <laughs> slavery has been found all over the world, just not in Antarctica, for obvious reasons. Right? <laughs> you know, slavery is normal. But you compare this, and this is so humane. But again, look at this table. You know, comparing the Old Testament with 
the Roman Empire and with uh, slavery in America. So, in the Old Testament, you had a weekly holiday, you had enough food, you had legal redress, you have sexual protection, we saw that last week, and only the day of rest is the only thing you had in, the, uh, in America. Very different. And under the Old Testament, no kidnapping, no record of chains, no torture, no physical abuse. And all those things were perfectly fine in the other systems. So you see this, and this is radical, right? This is really radical. This is so loving and so humane, right? This is, God is good, God loves people, and he doesn't want us to treat people badly. And, and the thing that lies behind it, yeah, love your neighbor, right? You were slaves, treat your slaves well. Uh, um, the one who expresses that most beautifully is Job. He says, well, I've always treated my slaves well. Why? Well, did not he who made me in the womb make them? Did not the same one form us both within our mothers? They're, they're human, and so I need to treat them well. That, that's the Old Testament perspective. And I, I hope you see that's, that's good, that's not outdated. That was thousands of years ahead of its time, right? And in the New Testament, I think it's in some ways the same. In other ways, it goes further. It was abolished in the church. I mean, in the New Testament, yes, it says, slaves, obey your masters. Then again, well, what could you do, right? You're a slave. You can't just run away or rebel. You get executed, you know? <laughs> slaves, obey. But it's not pro-slavery. So uh, Paul says to slaves in 1 Corinthians, you know, um, where, were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you. Although, if you can gain your freedom, do so. You know, if you can get free, please do it. It's better, usually. Right? Um, slave trading is condemned. So, Paul has these kind of lists of sins. One Timothy has a very long one. I've shortened it a bit for time, but, you know, it's very clear. And the law is for lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, for slave traders and liars and perjurers and for whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine that conforms to the gospel. And slave trading is a no-no. That is incompatible with being a Christian. Uh, again, very clear on that. And so, masters, uh, be humane. Masters, eh, provide your slaves with what is just and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Eh, do what is right. Treat them humanely, because in a way you're not different. You're a slave, right? You have a master. People back then, you know, slaves and free, they're different classes of people. No, you're a slave, you're the same. Treat them well. The same teaching. Although you then maybe wonder, why doesn't Paul just say, master, and you know, masters free your slaves? Why doesn't the New Testament go further? And people wonder about that. I think we need to realize it wasn't as easy as you might think. So there were certain laws about releasing slaves, apparently. So if you had 10 slaves, you could only free five. If you had 30 slaves, you could only free 10. And if you freed more, you know, the Roman Empire would get a bit unbalanced. So there were, you couldn't release too many, or you and your slaves would get into trouble. If you freed someone under the age of 30, apparently they couldn't never become a Roman citizen, which you don't want, right? So better to keep them until they're 30. But so freeing slaves isn't as easy. It's part of a whole system. It's not something that you can just abolish. 
And so, yeah, Paul writes one verse to masters. He doesn't write a few chapters with a manifesto and all the different cases. That's just not what it's like. But also, you know, this is a fallen, broken world. Are you really better off free sometimes? What if you were a servant of a really good, loving master? And every, you, have a, you have a roof over your head. And every day you get food. That's pretty good, right? Because maybe you were free, but you had no home. And you didn't know if you would eat the next day. You might become a beggar. You weren't necessarily better off being free. I mean, here in Hong Kong, let me give an example. I mean, so domestic helpers. They, their employment kind of laws are worse than for normal employment, right? And certainly some domestic helpers, they, yeah, they, they have terrible working conditions. But are you always worse off being a helper? I know one Christian family, they have, a, uh, they have a helper. The helper gets two days off per week because they don't need her in the weekend. And they didn't want her to live in this concrete box behind the kitchen, so they gave her a, a bedroom of their free bedroom apartment. That helper's having a pretty nice life. Is she worse off than Hong Kong residents? Well, there's some residents, they live in a subdivided flat somewhere in terrible conditions. They have to work every single day because otherwise they have no food. You're not always better off being free, right? In a broken world, maybe working for a good master is not a bad thing. I think it's just much more complicated than we think. It's not modern society with all its laws and protections. Things were different back then. But the big thing that I think we need to realize, yes, that's society, but it was abolished in the church. In the same letter where Paul says, you know, uh, masters treat your slaves well, slaves obey your masters, he also says this about the church. Uh, Colossians 3.11, here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. In the church, there were no slaves and free. There were no different classes of people. There were just a family, brothers. And Christians didn't change society. They built a new society, a new humanity, the church. And, and, and family, there's no slavery in family, right? Your brothers and sisters. And so that really, in the church, there was no slavery. Uh, we see that um, historically. Uh, some Roman governor called Pliny, we have some letters from 112 AD that he wrote to the emperor. He talks about torturing a few Christian leaders, deaconesses. They were female slaves. So here were some important people in the church, they were female slaves. In, in a Roman empire, you couldn't get much lower than a female slave. And yet they were deaconesses, right? If you were a freed slave in Rome, you could never become a senator. In the church, you could become a bishop. You could even become the pope, even though you were a slave. There was no slavery in the church. And that would just work itself out. You know, that, that just, you know if that's your attitude in church, it, it works out in how you then behave in the rest of society. Uh, Philemon is a letter where Paul writes to someone who has slaves about one of his runaway slaves. W what does he say to him? He doesn't say directly free him, but he does say, you know, perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. 
no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. He's no longer a slave, he's a brother. How are you going to welcome him? And I think his expectation is, surely you're going to free him. Right? That is what the New Testament says. It destroys slavery not from the outside, but from the inside. And so, yeah, the New Testament, it completely undermines slavery. It does not condone the slavery that we think of. The New Testament is not outdated. Although you may wonder, how could something like the slave trade a few hundred years ago still happen? What happened in history? And Christian history, it's a bit mixed. So on the one hand, slavery really, it really dwindled in Europe in the next thousand years. It became less and less as Christians kind of, you know, uh, treated slaves well and uh, did right. Uh, the church would sometimes set their members free. You know, you have a slave in your congregation. They're having a hard time. Let's gather some money together and, and pay them off. Some wealthy Christians, they would redeem lots of slaves. One, one person freed 8,000 slaves with their wealth. And so Christians, they did what they could. But then again, a lot of people said, yeah, it's an unfortunate evil. It's just part of the system. Garden of Eden, yeah, no slavery there, but uh, what can you do? Then again, there has always been people who were against slavery. So here is uh, Gregory of Nyssa in the fourth century. Now, well, what does he say to a, a slave master? You know, you have subjected one who was made precisely to be lord of the earth and whom the creator intended to be a ruler to the yoke of slavery. Uh, how is it that you bring down one who is of the same nature of yourself to the level of four-footed beasts? You know, this is a human in the image of God. They should rule creation and you make them like a beast. That's wrong, right? There have always been people who, who saw what that meant, the image of God. And so we're against slavery. But, yeah, it, it's mixed. But then how did something like the African slave trade happen? Well, interestingly, a lot of it was kind of racism. You had, again, divisions in the human race. Yeah, so, you know, people sometimes thought, well, we are we Christians, we are God's chosen people, and they are the heathen nations. And you read the Old Testament, and sometimes it's very much... You know, Jews are better than others. You, you don't need to treat the others so well. And that permeated some of their thoughts. Uh, some people, they went to Genesis, where the ancestor of the Africans was cursed and forced to be a slave. Uh, Ham, the son of Noah. And they think, well, look, Africans, you should be slaves. I mean, that's a terrible way to read the Bible. That's just really wrong. But also, some of it was just ignorance. People had forgotten what slavery was like because it, it didn't really exist anymore. And you read the Bible, slaves obey your masters, masters treat your slaves well. What's wrong with that? They didn't see the kidnapping and the chains and the torture. They just didn't see it. That happened out in Africa or on boats. They didn't see it. And so it was kind of out of sight, out of mind. But it was Christians who overthrew it in the end. Christians had always kind of spoken against it, but there was this group that kind of really you know, Wilberforce and others, we're going to deal with it. And they attack these two things. You know, the image of God in your neighbor. Look, these people are in the image of God. They're not less than you. 
and then love your neighbor as yourself. Do you want this to happen to your family? That some people come and they kidnap you and they force you like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. And within 20 years, yeah, Britain had abolished the slave trade. Uh, and what does that mean for us, just on the uh, horizontal level? Uh, so I think we can learn from this, right? We should, uh, if you're a master, if you're, a, you know, you're an employer, uh, maybe if you have a helper, well, you treat them well, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. It's very simple. Would you like to be treated the way you treat them? Would you, like your, would you allow your daughter or your wife to be treated like this? And if you, the answer is no, then you need to change something, right? It's very simple. Love your neighbor as yourself. But I think, you know, these figures at the start, <laughs> it would be good if we could do more against slavery, against trafficking. I mean, this is such a serious crime, right? It's got the death penalty. It's one of the worst crimes there is to just force people and, and sell them into prostitution. And we could do more. Apparently, Hong Kong is on a, a US watch list as places that just don't do enough about trafficking. They don't do enough. You know, it's not as bad as, you know, on the list, uh, Burma, Laos, mainland China, they're, they're lower on the list. But Vietnam, Cambodia, they're higher. Hong Kong doesn't really care about trafficking. And it's, uh, a lot of people pass through Hong Kong, apparently. So, you know, we support as a church the Christian Action Domestic Helper uh, Center that uh, tries to help those. Uh, there's a website, stophongkong.org. Have a look. Learn about trafficking in Hong Kong. Maybe learn to recognize the signs uh, where, so that you can call the police if you suspect something's going on. They are good things to do. This, this is a terrible crime that we should act against. Uh, that, these are good applications for us. And, you know, I, I don't think I do enough. It's enough of on my mind what goes on around us. And yet I don't want to end there because the New Testament, you know, it has stuff about slavery, but it's not the big thing. And that surprises some people, right? Doesn't Jesus come to bring liberty to the captives? That's true. But we need to understand what he means. Because, you know, Israel, they had this great law but they couldn't keep it. And so they were kicked out of the land. They ended up in Babylon. They were slaves again. And God said to them, I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to do a second exodus, but not from Babylon. I'm going to rescue you from sin through my spirit-anointed servant. Yeah, and that is <laughs> what Jesus quotes. And so the New Testament, it's a lot about, a lot of Exodus references, you know, Jesus, our Passover lamb. But it's not from Rome. It is rescue from spiritual slavery. That's what we thought about. What's wrong? Next slide, please. Yeah. It's, the New Testament talks much more about spiritual slavery. How Peter started... Uh, the Bible says we, all of us, are slaves to sin, uh, to the devil. Let's look at a few slides. Um, John 8, Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. 
you're a slave to sin, but I can free you. Uh, Enslaved to idols. Galatians, formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. Uh, Hebrews, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. The New Testament talks a lot about slavery, but as you can see, it's, it's, it's the devil, it's sin, idols, corruption, death. That is the, the real slavery. And that means that if you look at the world, there's not 21 or 40 million slaves and 7 billion free people. The Bible says there are 7 billion slaves in the world. Every single one of us, even though we, we may think we're free, but actually we're slaves. We, we can't stop sinning. Uh, our idols, the teenager who just has to get enough likes on, slave, on Instagram every single day and is just enslaved to that. We're all slaves. But wonderfully in his love, Jesus came to rescue. You know, this is the real problem. It's actually the real problem behind all the other slavery. I mean, slavery is illegal in every country. Why, Why is there still slavery then? But because people who are slaves to sin don't keep the law. Why is there sex trafficking? It's because there's a lot of men who are slaves to lust and therefore pay for prostitution and pornography and that kind of stuff. Why is there sex trafficking? Well, because there's a lot of people who are slaves to greed and they just make use of the opportunity to do these cruel things. If there was no sin, there would be no slavery. Right? That's, that's the problem behind it. And uh, masters treat your slaves well. That gets to the heart because it calls you to love your slaves rather than sin. Even with the, the slave trade, you know, the abolition a few hundred years ago. Why was it so successful? Well, partly because there had been a big revival. Suddenly, a large proportion of Britain were Christians with changed hearts. I think without that, I'm not sure if it would have worked. And so Jesus came to deal with the real problem. Yes, human trafficking is terrible. We should do something. And yet there is a, another slavery that is much wider. And wonderfully, Jesus in his love came and died and set us free. So, yeah, let's, let's do those two things. Right? Let's bring the good news of freedom for the captives to everyone. Let's work for human slavery, but also let's spread the gospel. They're the things that we, we should be doing as we consider what God's heart is, what, how he's loved us, and how we now should love others. We should break their chains, especially their chains of sin. So we're going to sing a song. As the music team comes up, uh, it's a great song. Hear the call of the kingdom, calling us to, uh, to, to get up and let the gospel change us and act both in doing good and in spreading the gospel. And let's sing this great song. This is also our time of offering. If you are uh, a regular of the church, this is how we contribute to the ministry. But uh, if you're a visitor, please let the bag pass along. And uh, yeah, we want you to just receive. Okay, let's stand and let's sing this great song.